There are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. Soren Kierkegaard. Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey everybody, after listening back to this conversation post-recording, I think it is very important to preface this episode with a number of points outlining my thought process heading into this discussion. First and foremost, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a physicist, I'm not a meteorologist, I'm not a geologist, I'm just an electrician. What initially caught my attention from this guest was in our original correspondence via email, he expressed how the belief in flat earth had really helped him become less nihilistic and more hopeful of the future, which is something that I do find incredibly interesting. Whatever people's mechanisms are, the the why or the drive in their life, I find that fascinating, especially nowadays when, you know, we're facing some pretty you know, unprecedented times for anything that we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. And so I, I recognize that that meaning can be tough to find sometimes. So whenever people do come up with a new idea, or I mean, they find a new belief to cling to that helps them get through their day. I mean, I find that interesting. It's, it's part of the reason why I have this podcast. I enjoy having these type of discussions with people. Now, some people express the opinion that I shouldn't have a guest on to discuss this topic, because it's I mean, as you're going to see in this episode, it's a bit of a quagmire. You kind of get stuck. Uh, There's a lot of times where we kind of stuck in the weeds because we just have different levels of evidence that we're willing to believe. And so it makes it for a very tricky subject. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have this discussion and have it as civilly as possible, and it was very civil, I, I really appreciate Spencer's you know, his tone, just the way that he carries himself in this this conversation, I I tried to mirror it as well. I, I didn't want this to be a confrontational thing. If you look online between either Flat Earth, air quote, proof videos or the Flat Earth debunking videos, all it is is just attacking the intellect and attacking the integrity of everybody. And look, I understand parts of this interview were very frustrating for me. Um, it's just tough when you're dealing with two different, you know, it feels like we're playing two different card games. We each have a different deck and we're both trying to to win some abstract match, but but our cards don't compute with each other. It, it was very difficult in some parts and it was very frustrating. But I, I tried to just keep it under wraps because any of these videos that you see online, it's always derogatory. It's attacking. It's it's really trying to demean the other side. And I don't think it's getting anywhere. I mean, evidently, because for whatever reason, the flat earth movement continues to grow. And what I, so again, what I tried to do in this episode, and this is just a little quick guideline to anybody who's interested, the first roughly 35 minutes from when the discussion starts, I really let Spencer talk. I had a I had a piece of paper taped up behind my desk here that said, do not interrupt. The idea there was to try to deny the urge to jump in at any given moment. I really wanted to give him the opportunity to explain himself, to really lay out his model. And I think he did that that very well. It, it Again, you're going to hear it in the conversation. But if you do want to kind of skip 
to the part where we do start to debate, to debate some of these ideas a little bit more. It's after about the 35-minute mark when it starts. It's somewhere in there, right in that area. Before then, though, you can hear him lay out his concept for a flat earth, but you aren't going to hear much back and forth because I did really want to give him the opportunity to to talk about it and without feeling like he's under attack because I feel like up to this point, I mean, there's enough debunking videos that throw pure science at it and it doesn't seem to be slowing this down. So I'm trying a different tactic. And there, there was no... You know, maybe it was the wrong one <laughs> because looking back, I was getting frustrated listening back to it because there were a lot of times where I th just thought to myself like, hey, you should say something here. But then we did get into the debate a little bit later. So again, you can kind of skip through different parts. I've, I found certain areas a little bit frustrating listening back to, but it's up to you guys. It, again, it was important to Spencer to have this full discussion released. And so I didn't I didn't cut anything out. It's full length. It's very long. And then again, that's why if you wanted to, you could skip past the first 35 minutes because then we start to actually debate a few things and we start to get into a bit of the meat and potatoes of it. But I, I wanted to add this at the beginning anyway. The other issue, and this is something that's not directly linked, but I'm reading a book right now. It's called Anti-Fragile. It's by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. It's it's an incredible book. I'm about probably 30% of the way through of it. But what it lays out is, you know, we, we're familiar with fragile systems, something where if they're tested or they're put under strain, they break, they break down. Now, what is the opposite of that? You may say robust or strong, but in reality, all that means is that when something is shaken or hit with stressors, it just, it stays in the same, the same shape. It stays in the same status. Well, the idea of anti-fragility that he puts forward in that book is the fact that there are some phenomenon where when they get hit with more stressors or more tests or more shakeups, they actually get stronger and more developed. And ironically, one of these things is science. That's how we prove a theory. That's how we prove a point. We subject it to different tests from all different angles. And if it still holds true, then, you know, we can reliably assume that that is the law. Now, the flip side of that, and this is just you know, I'm just inputting my own opinion into this. This isn't in the book, at least not to the point where I've read so far. But the level of groupthink and almost that cult-like mentality also seems to be anti-fragile. Because the more attacks that you take on it or the more aggressive you are in trying to deal with it, the more it reinforces the idea that the world is against them and that they they are the victim of something bigger that's trying to squash them, trying to silence them. And that again rolls right into like free speech. I mean, I do think that the best way to cleanse different ideas is by sunlight. You have to air out these discussions, these ideas. You have to have these talks in the open. If you start pushing it into dark corners of the internet where you can get some serious groupthink going on and just you know, the confirmation bias runs wild when you don't have any type of dissenting voices. You need to have these conversations in the open with people who may not agree with you. That's how we glean the truth out of things, and that's how we form better opinions of what's going on around us. And again, kind of tying this back into free speech, and actually one of the previous episodes that I did, episode number 32, I believe it was, uh, cancel this episode with Kyle, which is still my favorite episode 
based on just how how much insight we were able to glean out of it as well as just how much fun it was but anyway the idea that we had talked about there is we need a path back to society for people who are cancelled you know because they just get they just get ostracized by the group completely it's the same issue when it comes to believers in these kind of dogmatic circles these I mean, I hesitate to call it this because I'm really not trying to offend people, but it does appear to have some cult-like thinking going on in it. Just the denial of any any proofs that go against the idea or the belief. So, But it's so important to allow these people a path back into society. I mean, if you're going to walk away from something like that, you face intense pressure from the groupthink mentality that you're leaving. But then you also have probably burned most bridges back in, air quote, regular society. You've probably burnt a lot of those bridges, and we need to be able to rebuild those bridges, give people the opportunity to walk back and join regular society. Again, that's, it's very important, and it's part of the reason why I really wanted to have a civil discussion today, because I think that's important. And obviously, the attempts at attacking it and debunking it in a derogatory manner aren't working because the number of flat earth believers and science deniers continues to grow. Now in closing with this little intro, I don't mean to offend anybody by what I've said at this point. Um, and Spencer was an amazing guest. I really enjoyed talking to him. We had a, a great open conversation. I, I felt like, you know, I, I felt he was a really nice, a genuine guy. I liked hearing his ideas and I liked hearing how they have lifted him up and how they help him feel better. But you know, all that being said, to the Flat Earthers listening, you can send all the emails you'd like, but I don't intend on repeating this exercise in futility. The conversation just went round and round because we just don't have the same, we don't have the same basis of evidence to go off of. So if nothing else, I viewed this as a bit of a mental workout and gaining some insight into the dogmatic state of the Flat Earth cult. And now, without further ado, Flat Earth. And so today I have Spencer here. Um, I don't know if it's Spence, Spencer, but you can kind of go over Spence that in your intro. Spencer, yeah. Either or. Perfect. So I'll hand it over to you. You can kind of introduce yourself, give any plugs that you'd like, and we'll just kind of roll from there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so my name's Spencer. Um, I, you know, do meaningful work, outside work, mostly difficult outdoor work, construction, building. Uh, moving things, you know, all the type of stuff where you can kind of see the results at the end of the day. So I'm totally with you on that. Um, I'm also, you know, into the idea of geocentrism, which is <laughs> the, uh, the idea that the earth is the, at the center of the universe. Um, and, you know, the sun goes around the earth, not the other way around. So it's an interesting kind of a concept for people. Um, I'm sure people have heard of it before, but just kind of like, you know, sometimes don't think exactly through what, what that, what that's like. Um, but I think it's something everybody's heard of before. So we're going to try and dispel some rumors today. We're going to try and talk about what the geocentric ideas and concept actually are. Um, and we're going to see if we can turn some people into flat earthers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's kind of the idea. 
<laughs> All right. So, so yeah, because when you were saying geocentric, I'm like, huh, I haven't heard that term before. And I'm just going to blurt out and say it. I've probably crammed about five to six hours of flat earth material into my brain in the past 36 hours. I've pretty much melted my brain at this point. I'm just, I, I've been trying to get, uh, just get myself familiarized because it's a, it's a topic that honestly a lot of us are aware of, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't really look into it that much before. I have friends who are pretty devoutly believe in this as well. I just, it hasn't been something that's really come up on my radar or been a reason for me to really research it much. So thank you for that. It was, if nothing else, a mental exercise, which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, so I, I have seen basically in going through that, there were, you know, there's a number, a number of different kind of maps that have been put forth there's a number of different theories that go along with the whole flat earth model so i guess one of the things that i wanted to know first is kind of if you could kind of a kind of just discuss where you kind of got inspired to research this go into this further and then b if you could kind of build or visually put out what the map is that you kind of believe or that you follow sure yeah i'd be happy to so um I kind of heard about the idea um, recently, uh, maybe about a year ago, and it's an interesting idea, right? Because it's it's like totally contrary to what we're we're taught in school and everything. And so, you know, it's just it's like it's one of those things where you go, "Huh, this this might even be true," but like. I don't even know if I want to look into this because like, if it's true, there's like a, a bunch of other things that kind of go hand in hand with it. And, you know, it's just like, it's an interesting sort of topic, but to give you the story, um, I was actually, I was playing a video game on my computer in full screen mode. And I was listening to like a video. Uh, it's like a, it was like a JRE, you know, history video where they had like a speaker on anyway. And that was playing in the background, but then uh, the autoplay put this video on from uh, David Weiss talking with uh, the guy, Alex Jones, who has a show, you know, that's, I don't know if you heard of that, but it's a pretty wild show. Anyway, I'm, familiar. So I'm familiar. I wore this okay. shirt for two reasons for you. For one, it's nasa and for other it's the one that uh it's the same one that jones wore on i don't know his most recent one where eddie bravo came in the five hour crazy one okay yeah yeah episodes. but anyway so yeah so it was this one episode and they had it they had uh this guy on called david weiss who was talking about the flat earth and there was all these ideas and like you gotta understand like i'm playing a video game in another like desktop on my like computer like the way max work you have like a couple windows open anyway so <laughs> so i was just it's like i was playing this intense game and like i couldn't just click off of it and tune it out like maybe i would have normally and uh so i was listening to it and he was just bringing up all these things and then i found myself like after a, after a while like i lost whatever game i was playing and then <laughs> so then i paused it and i was going back and checking like looking at these visuals and like some of the stuff he brought up was like, you know, uh, all of the time-lapse type of like, like satellite footage that we've seen. And I'm sure everybody's seen of, you know, the earth 
spinning and like we're, we're, we're going over it in the ISS and everything. And it's like, it was just pointing out funny stuff. Like, like these clouds do not look like clouds. Like we really think there's the, like lightning bolts that big, like all this funny stuff. And it's like, it was like, okay, yeah, it's a CGI video. And so, so that was one of the things that I thought was kind of funny, but it's, it's weird because if you actually look into, um, like, if you think about all the pictures that you've ever seen of like a space ball, like a planet, I mean, um, it's, a, it's always, it's always just a cart, like a, a computer generated image. Like it's always, it's always in, a, you know, a movie or like the intro to a movie or it's just like a static image as like a, you know, sometimes you, they do like a little animation before a news show or something. So, but if you, if you think about it, there's, there's, there's never really any that you've seen that are actually pictures, except for there's a couple that are claimed to be images of the planet, um, like taken from outer space and stuff. But the, if you look into them, I mean, I'm not going to even like prophesize, you know, what would happen if you look into them, but you're going to find, well, maybe, I mean, at least I found that they all are just totally computer generated also, you know, and there's, there's, there's some interviews from people from NASA who have done like, you know, Photoshop kind of stuff and, and made some of the most recent uh, planet pictures of, uh, of the, of the of the planet and and they, they admit that it's like we can't even take a picture of it because it, like it has to be photoshopped this is a quote like it has to be photoshopped because we can't take a picture of it because the satellites don't go that high like anymore or something like we can't go past low earth orbit so if you know you listen to that guy and you just kind of go okay well maybe he believes that but it's kind of strange right like why if we could go to Mars, that means we could go pretty quick, like not even with like a human, right? But just take like the little satellite thing and like launch it out there and just take a picture. Like isn't the Hubble telescope, like all these things are up there supposedly, right? The International Space Station, but they, they don't have like any good pictures, you know? It, it's just weird, like the more you look into it. So anyway. Yeah, and to me, like, and uh, okay, so one thing that I, I really did notice in, in kind of researching for this and looking over a lot of flat earth stuff, it's tricky because a lot of the times it's like we're trying to, you know, we're both have our own unique set of color blindness and we're trying to decipher what this color is because, you know, flat earthers will deny, for example, the picture from the, the lem as it's rotating around the moon as Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin are going down to the earth. So there is that picture that'll show the L the uh, lunar rover leaving the capsule and you can see the earth in the background. But then I, I understand that you don't believe that that even exists. Well, yeah. So w with respect to the lunar, uh, the, you know, the Apollo missions, by the way, I don't know. Can you hear that music or not? A little bit. Yeah. Is it nice or should I move? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you know what? It, if you can kind of gradually go away, it might make for a bit easier uh, okay, for me sure just in, in cleaning the audio after, but it's up to you. Yeah, I'll do that. I just, I don't know if they're going to stop, but anyway. Yeah, so no worries. 
Um, yeah. So, okay. So with, with the Apollo missions, um, <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's go. Somewhere. So, yeah. So, so with the Apollo missions, you know, it's, far, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I've gone and seen the, the kind of space rocket, like the Saturn V and everything that they have at, uh, at Cape Canaveral, the, you know, the, anyway, the John F. Kennedy spaceport, whatever the hell it is. And it's like, you know, because apparently they made two because the, they still have the one that's there in the museum. And the, but then there's supposedly there was another one that launched up and everything. Right. So, but like, if you, if you look at the payload for that thing, and then you look at like, like all this random shit that they somehow fit like a Jeep into that tiny little thing that landed like, and then like drove it around. Right. I mean, I, I like a space car, you know, it's just the chassis of a Jeep, but anyway, um, you know, and so, so if they actually did that, where did they fit it into the, into the rocket? And then the other thing is like, they landed in the ocean with like a totally different device. So even just from that, it's kind of like, you know, seems like there's like some inconsistencies, you know? So, so that's kind of my opinion on that. Um, but yeah, there, there are videos you can go, like if you, if you type into Google um, or maybe DuckDuckGo and uh, you type in like moon landing hoax, five hours of proof, you'll come up with a video. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll come up with a video that's four hours and 43 minutes of proof after proof explaining like what that deception was about, you know? So um, it's just an interesting kind of a, kind of a thing because if they lied about that, then it's like, we can kind of be skeptical that they may have like lied about other things, right? This being NASA, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, well, the one thing that I just wanted to point out there is that, you know, as far as I was, I was, uh, the understanding that I'm under with the Saturn V rocket on the Apollo missions was that it just went down with the lunar module to land, that they didn't actually have a rover for that, that first mission that was just to land in a spacewalk. Um, yeah. That's as far as I, I know, so I, I'm not aware of a rover that was on on board. But anyway, uh, okay, so we're a, a little bit off track here, but I know it all kind of loops back to the flat Earth or the geocentric model. But if if you could get into, uh, so we've gone over your kind of inspiration, what drew you into it originally. I uh, maybe if we could go into what your your map basically of the world would be, because again, in in researching for this topic, I had seen probably four or five different maps that that weren't weren't exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I was just, just kind of curious about that. Sure. Um, yeah, we can go to the map um, unless it might be productive to do some kind of um, just explain some of the proofs about the flat plane first, um, possibly. Or do you want to see the map? I mean, because if we're doing an only an audio show, that's the only thing I'm thinking about. Oh yeah, but I, I just think that it'll even help us discuss it too back and forth because if I can see it, that's the only thing. And I think that I think that the map at least will will help give some visual aid to um, the proofs that you're gonna provide. Uh, I also just wanted to say too, as far as the photos, because I had written down this note before we get uh, back to the flat Earth, is that I mean, again, as far as I'm, the understanding that I'm under is that those really high res cameras are placed in those satellites that 
orbit in low Earth orbit. And so in order to get the high resolution images that they do produce, uh, they're zoomed in on certain sections. So it does get stitched together. That's again, that's what I understand. So right. anyway, I mean, that is that is partly true to to the extent that um, the stuff that we see on Google Earth, mm -hmm. like that is stitched together, mm -hmm. you know, but some of the artsy ones that are claimed as being like almost like photographs um yeah they're just made in photoshop like <laughs> so right. yeah but yeah, but anyway I, yeah again so anyway we'll move on to the flat earth yeah so do you can you can you try and enable hosting or make me the host of the, the zoom call so i can share my screen let me just see here uh this is uh where can I do this here? How can I turn on your screen sharing? Um, you know what? It for whatever reason. Let me see there if I can change host. Okay, so there you go. Okay. It should allow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be starting in three, two. There's all you know. There's always a thing. All right. So. Here we go. I'm just on my phone here. So let me go over to the app. And this isn't an app that I made or anything. You have to pay for it. I have to pay for it. Everybody has to pay for it if you want it. But it is a good app. But anyway, um, so this is this is the map. Like, this is the map without Antarctica. Actually, maybe let's just go to a, the photos real quick. Um, so this is where we live. Oh, that's really zoomed in, huh? Okay. Can you so you, can you see this stuff? Just to yes. clarify. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> it's really zoomed in. I don't know why, but anyway, so we live in the in the Antarctic basin. So just to give you an idea, you see all those all the continents, and this kind of white circle is Antarctica, which is the shoreline of the World Lake, and there, so there's plenty of land and stuff out here. You know, this this stuff is up to speculation, though, basically outside of this purple circle, because, you know, so that, that purple circle is the 60th parallel, correct? Yeah, they signed this treaty in the 50s, um, you know, so basically you have to be uh, you have to have like your country's permission and they have to be a signatory to the Antarctica Treaty. or the, I think the Antarctic Treaty and like the U.N. also has to discuss and give you permission to go so it's kind of like it's not really available to people <laughs> to go but um that's just to give you an idea there's 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 plenty of maps here some of these are really old like like this one is uh gleason's new standard map of the world from there might be a time time on here but i think it, it was either the late 1800s or the early 1900s this was published in uh in in um Austin, I think it was. Oh, well, this one, this particular edition was published by the Buffalo Electrotype Company in Buffalo, New York. But there's, you know, they, there's publishing houses that did it in Boston. Anyway, so, so, but let's go to the clock. So, so basically, we have the the hands of around the, you know, the clock. That's kind of where Antarctica would be. But just for the sake of the visual here, this is what we have. So, you know. The world is is a it's essentially a giant lake, and all of the continents exist in that lake. 
and um you know the sun goes over this this flat plane this flat circle of an earth that we have um I, you know as does the moon and the stars and uh it's 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 uh it's interesting because the the sky is like a perfect clock like you know all of these things in the sky like perfectly keep track of everything like you know we're we're always fussing with like time and stuff but like actually if we just knew how to read the sky clock it would be pretty easy to tell like it's noon when the sun is directly overhead and that type of thing um so obviously there's nothing wrong with analog and digital clock uh it's like timekeeping but the only problem is it's been kind of jacked up and like edited and messed around a little bit because you know there used to be 13 months and we'll, we'll get into that but anyway so for the sake of this you can see that the sun is attached to the hour hand and that's because the sun goes around the flat earth you know over the top of the flat earth once a day so it keeps track of the hours in the day so okay. there's now what are these sorry to interrupt what are these circles that i'm looking so i've got the center of the clock and then yep. i don't know i on my screen, I mean, a little bit out, you've got this other circle kind of circling yep. around. Uh, what is Do you this? want to take a guess? Um, I honestly, I have no idea. So there's that, there's the center point, there's another circle, and then another one with a larger diameter after. 100%. So those are the tropics and the equator. Okay, so, the equator is the red line? Yeah. Yep. The innermost circle is the Tropic of Cancer. The outermost circle is the Tropic of Capricorn. The, uh, the center of the clock is at the North Pole, um, which is not in Greenland, by the way. People have gone there and, you know, said that they went to a pole stuck in the ground instead of the North Pole. Anyway, it's not it's a different one. So <laughs> so anyway, so here we go. The, you know, the, the innermost circle is the Tropic of Cancer. And the reason for that is if I turn on the zodiac, you have the 12 zodiacal signs in this layer. So. If we move forward, um, if we move forward to June, let's see if we get close to the solstice. Okay, so you can see how we jumped right inward directly over the, uh, the Tropic of Cancer, right? That innermost circle. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the sun, essentially, see, it just flips back. So essentially, the sun migrates in between both tropics throughout the year. So if we jump back towards uh, June 21st, pretty close, it's almost directly over and I'll just speed it up. And you can see that it uh, it's going right over that circle and, you know, keeping track of the hours in the day. So okay, the sun but, goes around once every day. Sure. But in this, in this model, now where you have it going over what uh, the Tropic of Cancer, the sun has mm -hmm. to be moving slower through the sky than if it were in the outer layer. Right. hundred percent because it's exactly because it still goes around only just once every 24 hours. So it moves faster during the winter. That's why we have shorter days because it's going around quicker and it's accomplishing a wider arc. So, you know, this is responsible for the seasons and, and everything like that. So, but just to jump back to the, the Zodiac real quick, you can notice how during, you know, June and July here, it's it, the how the the sun is firmly housed in the constellation of cancer the crab so that's why it's called the tropic of cancer because it's it, you know 
the sun is housed in that constellation during the day. Okay, but sorry. So if if the sun is closer and moving, you know, faster, as you say, um, you know, it, it we don't have more hours in the day. You know, like no, there's, no, we no, can no. still, you can still track the sun movement. I mean, we have a later sunrise and an earlier sunset, right. but it, the, the, you can, you could track the movement across, across the horizon. It wouldn't be moving any faster. You okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean? yeah. So during, during the here, I'll jump ahead to the summer. I mean, to the winter. So you'll, you'll notice at the, you know, at the equinox, both equinoxes, it, the sun is traveling directly over the equator. And then once you get out to the winter solstice, it's going over the, uh, the Tropic of Capricorn, the outermost circle. So it's traveling slightly faster. It's not much. It's not like, you know, it's not like really maybe that noticeable, but. Well, I mean, that, that we, diameter we get is. less daylight, you know what I mean? So that, that diameter is roughly double. So, I mean, that circumference is going to be what? two pi or two diameter squared what is I, I it's been a while since i've done trig but i mean that that's got to that's got to be quite the difference if you're doubling the diameter across like yeah your, so, your addition I mean, yeah, on the would, circumference is going to be quite large yeah i mean if you just look at it it kind of looks like i don't know maybe a 30 percent bigger of a circle so that's kind of you know 30 percent less sunlight less daylight i should say in the winters, you know, in the northern lands. Um, and then obviously Australia is having their summer during that time because it, because at that point, the sun is high in the sky for them and lower in the sky in, in the northern lands. So, you know, they're closer to the, uh, the North Pole, the center of the earth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's how the seasons work. Um, and it's really, it's a really interesting thing. Now, the, the moon goes around once every 28 days and, you know, it goes slightly slower. Now, the other question I have, sorry. So, so the one that sure. you have it showing right now sped up uh-huh. now it is showing roughly, I would say 55 to 60% of the world illuminated. Yep. But the world is half of it is illuminated at any given time. Like we have the sun is facing to half of the globe. And that, that could be tracked. I mean, you could make a phone call from, you know, 12 hours around the clock and you could see sunrise as your sun setting. Like that, that's a real world experiment. And here, so also, even though it's moving fast, so let's say the point from the sun to the center of the clock, uh, let's say for whatever, do you want to pause it for a second? Yeah. So the sun to the center of the clock here, that's a short distance compared to the sun to let's say two o'clock right now, right? Two o'clock on the clock face like that distance Mm -hmm. is roughly i don't know 1.8 to two times the distance to the center of the clock like i I don't understand how you can how you can make that work just even looking at just the way a light spreads like why it wouldn't have an equal circle around the light spread right exactly well you know i i don't think i would claim that this is a perfect representation of reality because you know it's a just a simulation at the end of the day but Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean this is this is more or less how it how it works you know i i I see what you're saying like they could probably pinch in the sides a little bit and make it you know more like a circle 
I, I uh, think, yeah, but then, then I think the issue that they'd run into is the fact that half the world isn't illuminated at a time. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what's interesting there is um, there's a lot of people, especially like, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to um, go to like a kind of scriptural thing for any proofs. I don't, that's not what I'm trying to do. Hey, but, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. So in like the Quran and the, in the Bible and a lot of these scriptures, like they say God created the night and the day before he made the two lights to govern the day and the night, you, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, there's ideas. And again, I don't know if I really even believe that, but like there's ideas where daylight is different than like, like the light from the sun. Sorry, you daylight know, is different which, than the light from the sun or uh right. Right. I'm just saying there's ideas. I'm not claiming to have the final word on that because I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh yeah. Okay. And so other, okay, so yeah, sure. So can I just finish explaining? Oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. Clock? I I don't yeah, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, so so the clock, the other interesting thing about it is the uh the moon goes around once every 28 days um you know and uh that's why we kind of think at some point there used to be 13 months not uh what what do we have 12 or exactly so because you know people started adding days here and there and they screwed the whole calendar up and um then they you know made it even worse and they said okay we have to skip a year every every four years for no reason at all just to have an extra day because they want to hide the fact that it's supposed to be 364 days, 28 days of the moon's phases times 13 months is 364. But no, we have to have this random extra day once every four years so that they can rationalize having a 365th day as the leap year, like for every year, like it makes no sense. So, so how does the, how does the flat earth model that I'm looking at right now, rationalize a 13th hour because I see everything is in 12s. It's not a 13th hour. It's or a sorry, sorry, month. a 13th month. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, we're, there's speculation as to that too. Like, you know, it's possible that the original calendar before they started doing this Julius and Gregor, Gregorian, Gregorian calendar and everything. Um, it's possible that we just had a calendar that was 13 months and, um, you know, that would, that would correspond exactly to the lunar cycle, which keeps track of the months or at least should, um, you know, so, and then, and then the, the, the other thing is the Zodiac, the constellations move precisely one 364th percent faster than the sun. So you might notice that if I, if I zoom up, zoom, uh, zoom it up a little bit. So essentially that keeps track of the year perfectly to the day. If you go outside tonight and you look at the stars, like the Big Dipper is literally right above me right now. It's going to be in the exact same place at the exact same time on the exact same day one year from now. So how, and, so how do you, and this is, sorry, this is in line, but a little bit different. How do you rationalize the fact that the stars move across our sky? Like the constellations are visible at certain points in the year. I mean, 
way back in the day, that was how they would determine seasons or determine months was what constellations they could see and where they were in the sky. They would track it. And that's actually kind of the origin of the heliocentric model and why, how they realized that um, we are moving around in a circle. So how, how, how do you rationalize that? Yeah, so that's how they did it on the geocentric model. But how do you rationalize this? This is what the heliocentric model is. This corkscrewing, spinning vortex of planets and things in our solar system that are chasing the sun at like half a million miles an hour, going around the Milky Way and doing all these crazy motions. Like there's no way that all the stars would stay exactly the same. If, if, we're, if we're spinning 1,037 miles per hour, and then we're also going around the sun in this giant elliptical orbit at 66,000 miles an hour. And then we're chasing the sun through the, the, this like infinite kind of abyss kind of a thing. And we're, we're, we're going at half a million miles an hour around the, the, the Milky Way. And then that thing is moving sideways. It, it, there's like four different directions all happening at once and so it's impossible that we would see the same stars like exactly like that well i'm gonna say first off that i'm not an astrophysicist i'm not a geologist i'm not an astronomer i'm you know i'm i'm nothing so when i'm looking at that graphic i mean another thing perspective is pretty important right like when you can say the numbers and the speed that the earth is rotating at like like the other way to think about it is RPM, like a lot of the things that I've seen for flat earth uh, provability is being done on like a tennis ball or something like how does water stick when you're spinning it, right? Like, how does it? (laughs) Well, but I mean, I think it's important to realize what RPM is because we're dealing with things of such magnitude. Like if I put in the math here, so let's see, RPM rotations per minute, right? Regardless of size, let's see what our RPM is of earth. I mean, we've got 24 hours, 60 minutes per hour, 1440. So 1441 rotation per 1440 minutes gives an an RPM of 0.00069444. So, I mean, if we were to spin a tennis ball in a, in a way where we didn't have the earth pulling the water down with gravity, if you're spinning it at 0.000694 rotations per minute, like incremental, it would take you a full day to do one spin. Like we have to look at things in magnitude as well. Like the earth is massive. We may not like this is when you break it down to literally how much of a degree change we're talking about every minute. Like that is a, that's tiny. That's incremental. Yeah. And that's what I respect greatly about somebody like you who is going to take the time to do the math instead of just, because I don't like the tennis ball thing. It's, it's kind of nonsense. It, it, it does, it does make sense as an analogy to some people, but you're right. The scale of the, of the ball would be different, Mm -hmm. like vastly different. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but it doesn't change the fact that water always needs a container. Um, you know, the only two exceptions would be if you have like a little meniscus in a graduated cylinder and the surface tension curves it up slightly, or if you have a tiny little droplet, you know, and you have, it's on a leaf, like a little droplet of dew or something on a leaf, Mm -hmm. you know, that would, that's, that's held together also by surface tension and the 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 material of the leaf it's not just like that thing could just float in the middle of nowhere and somehow also be attached to something in the middle of an infinite vacuum by the way which is like would be like a torricelli 10 vacuum which is like 
supposed to be like the, the maximum one there is like that would just suck all the water off right away if we were in this thing because like in the in this dark infinite universe kind of thing because because uh it's it would it would just suck it right off dude it, it's like every every type of vacuum needs to be in an, an enclosed system you in order to have a pressurized system you would agree probably right that you need a physical barrier you can't just like pull some like particles of air out of the air and just be like all right we're gonna pressurize it i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna grip it in my hands and like mold it together like putty like it doesn't work that way like it has to be like an actual container you know wouldn't that just be atmosphere and again i'm no expert on any of this so i mean what what i think of immediately and i i don't know what your response is i'm gonna guess i'm i'm gonna estimate but like when you see for example in zero g like is that what what would you how would you explain seeing floating water droplets that that resemble a sphere that they okay, gravitate so the, and the surface tension keeps them as a sphere yeah the international space station well just just any of the the imagery or the the video that you see of kind of floating globules of of water whatever it is yeah so all of the all the stuff from uh the international space station is computer generated it's a simulation they're running a simulation they're they're doing this giant magic trick there's there's green screen layers like when you when you go into the well i'll just i'll say this and then i'll offer you guys an interesting resource to look into um when you when you see that like uh the guy chris hatfield or whatever you know whatever astronomer astronaut is on the alleged international space station um you know then they're playing with like various liquids and going like oh wow the viscosity on this one is different than just regular water and stuff like that um it's all it's all cgi it's like it, it, it's like if you if you imagine the quality of cgi that stuff places like disney have like uh you go watch i don't know what's a movie like tron or something right <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What's your favorite movie from Marvel? Or I I don't know. I my favorite if I'm talking yeah. space is probably Star Wars or Interstellar. Yeah. So, like Interstellar, right? I mean, that thing was like an incredible project, and they did a really good job on it. And it's supposed to like look incredibly real. And so, by the way, it's a great movie. The story's great. You know, I, you know. I like the movie. It's, they have great actors. They have like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good story, good writing, good directors, everything, you know, including the CGI, <laughs> but it's science fiction. Um, okay, so it's just not representative of what reality like really is. Now I'm going to kind of just veer us back to the flat earth model model for a little bit, because there's a couple of things that like when we're talking about the motivation behind things, I'd like to save that for kind of the end because I, I I understand kind of where that's directing when, when you're mentioning yeah. Disney and all this other stuff. So, but I'd like to kind of stick to the flat earth right now and then we can get into the motivation behind it after if that's all right. Yeah, that's that's definitely all right. Okay, um, perfect. Because one of the questions that I had in relation to um, Antarctica or the ice wall, uh, as you guys like okay. to call it, like the, the fact that there are antarctic cruises like what what 
what is your opinion on that? Uh, the fact that they do allow visitors there. I mean, it's it's expensive as fuck, but you you can go there on a cruise. Yeah, sure. So okay. let me answer that. I just don't want to forget um, to just reference this video for you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Listeners' interest. So if you go to YouTube or Google or you know you can find it somewhere, but type in International Fake Station Mike Helmick H E L n-i-c-k and you're gonna come up with this guy who's like a professional videographer he's been in the industry for i don't know how long but he takes you through step by step of like exactly what software they use like the leap motion is for all the the stuff they have they, they have uh what's it called uh augmented reality contacts like they have all this stuff dude. and so it's it's an interesting resource yeah. And I think, um, I think based off of all this, I mean, I think this goes without saying for me too, but I mean, being not an expert, like, look, research this stuff, look it up. But what I, what I also wanted to say in regards to even just the, the idea of, you know, the, the zero G situation being faked, like, are, do you guys believe in basically the aerial drops where they'll take a fighter jet or whatever, a, a Learjet, drop it down to counter the effects of gravity's acceleration to, to create a zero G zero g environment yeah so there's there's some like bits of news that have done that and and very like they had like uh you know this like sexy model go up in one of these things and stuff like that so you know it's just a zero g plane they essentially take a plane like an empty you know 757 get rid of all the seats just gut it and then fly it in an arc so essentially you go up really far and then you just kind of let it drop because you don't really need to nose a plane down because it, you just have to kind of slow it down until the rate of lift matches with the rate of falling through the air due to density. So that's kind of how planes, you know, land and stuff like they, they find the equilibrium of those two uh, motions acting upon the craft. So, Anyway, that's that's how zero G planes work. And, they, you know, they don't they don't do that for the um, for all of the magic tricks in, in the International Space Station, because those are some things that, you know, they'll have people like hanging from wires and then they'll, you know, edit out the wires or they'll have to, they do all sorts of stuff. Um, that's one way to view it for sure. Yeah. Like, and the other question that I had, you know, in relation to before we kind of move on to planes, cause I did have questions there too, but as far as, you know, get going back to the ice wall and the idea of boats sailing around there, I mean, what is stopping somebody? I mean, I'm sure the flat earth community seems to be growing. I I'm sure you guys could fund literally a sailing trip at the 60th parallel to go around the earth to see what, model it matches up to right because the 60th parallel yeah. in a in a globe <laughs> is much narrower than it is in a flat earth right the 60th True. parallel in a flat earth goes pretty much around the exterior whereas in a globe it's it's much narrower than at the equator gotcha yeah so i mean outside of kind of like the logistics of that you have you know you'd have to choose like a boat that has good mileage right because you can only bring so much fuel i mean the 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 route that you're talking about 
Well, you can fuel on rope. Come on, you can fuel on rope. Well, you could, but let's not let's not like pretend like anybody's gonna just go and do that tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we could take a sailing ship and like, you know, document the whole thing. That sounds like a fun thing. Maybe we'll do it. But like, I'm just saying, like, that route is like probably a hundred something thousand miles in circumference, dude. It's like that's not like just like an easy trip, you know. But what I will say with Antarctica is, um, you know, you you can definitely go to a little spot that's kind of like next to some of the stations that they have set up um, as, you know, for tourism and, and things like that. It costs a decent amount of money. It's probably like 10 grand a person or something. I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but um you know you're supposedly you can go there and go on a little vacation and like from what we understand they basically just show you some penguins and a pole stuck in the ground that's like a ceremonial south pole and then that's it and they like say okay uh, see you later (laughs) you know (laughs) right i mean it it is definitely a guided tour i'm I'm not going to deny that at all like it's it's a now there's been people who have gone and you know helped you know set up communications facilities for the some of these navy stations and whatever they have down there um you know and people we've talked to people who've shown us photos of antarctica and like dude honestly the sky looks kind of interesting it looks like there's a giant rift in the sky which is a little bit weird and there's there's many there's many things that are just it's a strange place it's a really strange place um but you know the again you can't you know you can't bring fuel with you if you're going to visit you can't like just go inland um you know things like that and and i'm sure that people probably could just sail past the 60th south degree parallel but if you if you look at that map that i've showed you before mm-hmm. i don't know if you could just remember it or if i oh, i remember it yep it yeah that's not so like the thing is, like, the the closest spot, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is at Tierra del Fuego in South America. And that's, like, still a thousand miles just to get to the shoreline of Antarctica. So, like, where are you going to go off from? Like, are, are you going to just get in a plane and, like, go from, like, somewhere that's less far south? Because, I mean, like, maybe Australia or something. But the problem is all those places that are – like where a port is like relatively close people have tried it and like undoubtedly every single time consistently they're stopped by like you know a giant battleship and they're just they'll just be like yeah you're good you're entering restricted waters like you're gonna have to divert your course and like all that type of stuff like people have done it we've, we've seen video of people doing it well, um, but I, I don't yeah. think there'd be anything stopping you just going around the 60th i mean and again, like like solo guys will go around the world by themselves, right? Like it's a it's a yearly it's a competition essentially who can survive going around the world right. solo in a in a sailboat. So I mean, I think it is is doable. And I mean, I'm just trying to spitball ideas to prove it because I mean, I know <laughs> that I know that again, like I said, it's kind of like we're two different colorblind people trying to identify the same color because we have different um, we just have different burdens of proof that we have to show i mean i don't i don't feel that 
the globular model has has anything else to prove. I mean, I think science is even pretty open, even in the term of astrophysics and things that they don't understand, such as dark matter and dark energy. I mean, if they're if they are pretty open about questions like that, I, I don't see why why this would. Uh, sorry, we're going to get back into the the idea behind it or the the conspiracy behind it. So we'll stay away from that for now. Sorry, I'll go back to planes for now. So when it comes to planes, you know, like a lot of the models, any any flights essentially among the southern hemisphere like they just they're so different between a flat earth model and then a a globular model on the actual flight routes the timing that it would take like how do you guys reconcile flights specifically in the southern hemisphere between say well fuck let's say south america to australia let's let's just say for that term we're staying in the southern hemisphere yeah so this is something that's uh, a little bit more challenging to explain without a visual aid um but yeah in the southern in the southern hemisphere like southern flights there's there's some of them that you can like you know allegedly book from google flights if you go to google earth and they'll show you the route and everything um you know from santiago to melbourne australia is one that people bring up a lot and it's like it's just not it's not bookable. Like if you can book it, there's one, there's one airline that does it allegedly does it called Qantas. And that, that is Australia's biggest airline though, is Qantas. Yeah. And so Qantas, you know, they, they do this one flight, this one flight route and, you know, oftentimes it's canceled. Oftentimes it arrives five hours late and oftentimes um, they use planes that are equipped with, uh, heat resistant paint and they could just be gl- flying at extremely high rates of speed. Um, but other than that, um, if you plot almost any other course, except for that particular one that everybody always brings up, um, if you plot any other course, you know, it's, it's a, it's a straight line over, over the flat plane versus on a ball. When, when you, uh, when you plot it on like the flat, globe map thing like the flattened globe map you know like that oblong uh what is that called it's just it's just like a giant egg-shaped thing so yeah so if you plot it on that it's like doing all these crazy wild motions and everything and then you plot it just over the azimuth the equidistant map and it's a straight line you're just like wow well, I mean, like anything that I've looked at in the Southern Hemisphere, because of the the very nature of flattening out the globe for the flat Earth map, any time that if you're taking it on a globe and you're flying across any parallel in the south, as soon as you flatten it out, now you have a curve, right? Because you're no longer, your, your distance is elongated because now you've turned it into a curve. And the other thing with that, the other thing with that is just the idea that you would you would see or you would feel the plane turning. I mean, you don't feel the plane's pitch change due to the fact that, you know, it's it's maintaining a level with the earth and that level is determined by from the surface to the bottom of the plane. But the but you would feel it turning left and right or going through a curve like a, a plane wouldn't do that. It, it plots a course and then flies directly to it. Yeah, they, they definitely do do that. And another thing that's interesting that you brought up is... Uh, the idea of um, feeling an acceleration if a plane were, you know, turning and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> if you think about that, if you think about flying around a, a ball, 
that's 24,901 miles in circumference. And it would be an even wider, um, because you know, what a planes fly at like 20,000 feet. So yeah, I think think around 30,000. So the, the, the kind of track sphere along which they fly would be even larger, you know? And so you, you would feel that kind of a drop, like, because that's an acceleration every time you change direction, as well as even if you're maintaining a consistent speed, like you would feel that. Sorry. And so it, you're, it, you're talking about elevation, like you're talking about pitch well, and trying to, trying to maintain a level. Well, I mean, that's how they work, <laughs> but I'm, what I'm talking about is the hypothetical idea of flying over the surface of a ball shaped um, land like that. Like you'd feel that as every time you have to nose down, like you'd feel that, <laughs> but, but, you know, right. But they, I mean, there's other forces at work. There's, there's air pressure, there's pitch to the plane, there's, there's gravity still pulling down on it at all times. Like when that ship hits yeah. or when that, that plane hits a level, I mean, my, my uncle has been a pilot for 30 years flying internationally for air Canada. When they hit, hit that elevation, that's just the elevation that they stay at. I mean, there's natural forces keeping it yeah, it's, exactly. it's in orbit with the earth. It's, you know, it's, it's the idea of gravity. It keeps it in this arc. <laughs> and, but you wouldn't feel that because if you have even like, even at work, I have um, a little torpedo level that I carry with me everywhere that torpedo level is leveled to earth to the gravitational pull. So you wouldn't even feel that <laughs> as you're going around. Okay. We're also yeah, talking so... about the magnitude of the earth here and the, the movement that like we were talking about with the RPM, like we're talking about tiny, tiny, tiny little plots on this massive arc. Right. Yeah, no, hundred percent, but actually the arc isn't as big as you think. And especially if planes are flying like thousands of miles per hour, uh, you would you would you would probably i mean okay they're not flying thousands of miles per hour right i I was gonna say yeah yeah but you can you can also look up videos of like f-14s or 21s whatever the hell they're up to now and you know they're flying close to the surface of the water at a thousand miles whatever it is extremely high rates of speed and they're not nosing down or they're not doing anything like that like you can you can just tell (laughs) like Like, dude, if it's going a thousand miles an hour, like it'll take 24, uh, how long would it take to go around the world? 24 minutes, 24 hours, thousand miles an hour, 24 hours, 24,000. I I don't know. it. It would take 24 hours to go around the planet. Um, you know, so it's, it's just like, but the thing is like, every couple every mile it would drop by eight inches squared because it's an exponentiating curve so after the first mile you know you're talking like 64 inches of drop which isn't that significant but by the second mile you're talking about 4096 inches of drop which is like you know probably a couple feet what what's 4096 let's see so yeah. 341 feet you know right but what, but what i'm saying is that like based on two miles <laughs> based on the the idea of you know einstein's general relativity and and you know yeah, physics and and gravity like 
those forces are still at play even when you're in the air around the earth. So they're constantly keeping you in that level. As long as you're countering right. out gravity and accelerating at that speed, you aren't going to have to correct your pitch. They're, they're keeping you in that, that arc. They're keeping you in that, that gravitational field. As far as I'm, I understand, like I, I don't, they don't have to pitch down. So, um, yeah, Einstein was kind of a crazy guy. Um, None of that stuff is what we see in the real world. Um, you know, there is this downward force when you drop something, but mostly that's due to, uh, it's just simply due to the density of the object falling through a media, which is or a medium, which is uh, less dense than it, which would be air. So like if you drop even if you drop a tiny little particle of sand, it's going to fall, right? If you drop a little pebble, it's going to fall because it's denser than the air. There, there is, there's also another kind of effect that we think might be going on, but this is more like speculation um, because we think that, you know, the land has a negative electrical charge to it because if you take like a lightweight piece of metal, there, you know, it probably doesn't work for every metal but something that's non-ferrous, for, for example, and you run an electric, a negative electrical charge through it, it's going to levitate. It, you know, I haven't seen experiments where people have like done it properly and like controlled for all the different waves and like got it to level perfectly and levitate and everything. I've seen it done with water, uh, with sound waves, but this is kind of a different concept, but st still kind of related. Um, but they, they essentially run a negative electrical charge to it and it jumps up to the ceiling, you know? And there was guys, there was a guy, Mike Hutchinson, who was doing that in like the nineties. And he was just like, people went to visit, like some news company went to interview him and like they were just like, what the hell is this? Like, this is crazy. And he like was acting all surprised. Like he didn't know exactly what was going on. Like he was like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this, you know, like. Well, I mean, I've built yeah. electromagnets. Like, I think if you've heard the show, I mean, I'm an, I'm an electrician. So, I mean, we've built electromagnets. Yeah. If you have two like poles and, you know, it's a, you know, it, it's not activated, then you turn on the electricity and all of a sudden you've got two negative poles. It's going to fucking fire that thing in the air. Like, I, I can exactly. understand what you're saying, but what I'm getting. So, hold on. So, I've got to just kind of reiterate for my own, yeah. my own clarity. I, so, you guys don't believe in gravity. It's just all about denseness and buoyancy. So, yeah, I mean, gravity, the idea that like two bodies of mass attract one another solely based on that is in a vacuum is ridiculous. It's never been proven. It's a theory. But it, ha it has been proven by uh, William it Cavendish, I believe it was. OK, yeah. So they basically said that they proved it. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but they didn't. It's if you look into the experiment, it's ridiculous because. There, there was too many variables that weren't controlled for, and they just kind of, they said, well, because gravity exists, that, you know, the phenomena that we're seeing here is just the, you know, gravity, gravity, you know, it's, it's gravity, and it wasn't, you know. I mean, I would, I would encourage anybody to look that up. I mean, that's, that's often repli I would too. replicated I would too. in, in high school classes and in controlled, controlled scenarios as well. I mean, even with, so here's a question to rec uh, referring to gravity. So in a vacuum, I mean, obviously in everyday life, we've got atmosphere, we've got air, we've got shit that stuff that literally slows things down. It's why a feather will fall slower than a brick, but 
as far as once it's placed into a vacuum and all atmosphere is removed, you can drop a brick and a feather and they will both hit the ground at the same time. So right. Because they're both, they're, they're, they're both way substantially denser than the air. But and the there's density, no air resistance. But the density between no the two resistance. is far different. So if you're saying that density equals dropping faster, the density of the brick right. is much higher than, than, let's say, styrofoam. Yeah, no, I didn't say that density equates to dropping things faster. It, it, it equates to them dropping, but they reach a terminal velocity. Okay. And yeah, it, but, but you guys don't think that, that that acceleration is the 9.8 meters per second squared that... that we measure gravity on on earth well that's what the terminal velocity eventually is but it's not it's not like you need gravity in the equation <laughs> you know what's funny dude if you go and do some 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 of these actual math equations like just just do them again like just write them out just do them again and see what happens to the variable that they call g it well, what always I'm, cancels itself out because it's not needed in the equation. It's that simple. What I'm interested in, and again, I'm I'm not a physicist. I'm I'm not. But as far as electrical goes, like yes. we do use a fair bit of physics that is all based off of these same equations: the work equals force times distance, uh, or force right. times acceleration. Like that is repeatable yeah. across yeah. physics, hundred percent across the spectrum, right? Like, and so yeah. when when this kind of stuff comes up, like. I mean, I look at different aspects of electricity, like that is provable by physics and, and that's mm -hmm. all linked in one large field. I mean, it's the same with even, right. even with, right, so hang on, hang on, Sorry, hang on. Go ahead. because okay. this is why let's, let's, let's departition de some things here because, or, well, I guess let's partition some things here, right? Partition. I don't know. Cause is that used to group together and to separate? Maybe it's one of those words anyway. Um, so, but let's, let's, let's split some things up because this is why the deception is so genius <laughs> because what they do is they put all the real science in the textbook and then they slip in this little slide thing and, and they say, oh, this is also real, okay. you know, and, and they put it right next to the good science. And then you just, people get confused. They go, okay, we just have to believe this for now, you know? Well, the flip side to that too is that we've we have started to find laws that that literally are universal across things that we've discovered. Like, I mean, if I were to define yeah. define science, it would be, you know, the continual and gradual expansion of humanity's field of understanding is is what I would what I would define it as. And all it is is that continual search for more for what that next answer is. Right? We we kind of yeah. build on equations as we move forward. It's it's why. It's why, you know, we didn't get stuck on reinventing fire when we first discovered it because it's not like, well, we have to go reprove fire. It's like, well, we have this now let's move on X number of years down the road. We have the internal combustion engine. Like it, it's part of why I see science. I mean, it's steam before that, which was an amazing technology. But then the people who were all about burning stuff for internal combustion said, okay, we're not going to use steam anymore because it's way more efficient. We can't build people for it. Right. So, and, sorry. So there's, there's just two more little, little questions that I had about flat earth, the flat earth model, the, the, this, the flat earth, uh, before we kind of moved into the motivation of it. So the one question that I had that, that came up and it, it kind of seemed weird to me is the idea of the moon and why on yeah. earth, because the fact that 
the moon is tidally locked with the earth, we are seeing the same face no matter where. It is, right? So that's that's my biggest question is how that is how that's rectified within the flat earth model. Gotcha. Okay. It's so it's a great question. I love talking about the moon. So so the moon is uh, uh you know as you say it always faces the same way, you know, when it's a full moon we can see the exact same patterns on it and everything. So you would assume like okay, yeah, it's it's uh spinning at the exact same rate that the earth is spinning 1037 miles per hour and that's what like while it's also doing it's uh while it's doing its orbit (laughs) so it's going around so so somehow it always like you know faces the exact same way like magic right so physics has or astrophysics has an explanation as it's it's tidally locked yeah, that's the explanation. Yeah, so it's it's tidally locked, and um, yeah. The, the the thing though, the thing the thing is, is that the moon is not a place that we could go. It's not a physical object. It's not a rock that exists as a celestial satellite going around Earth. It's what is it then? It, it's just it's just a light source. That's all it is. It's it's a light source. So um, like a kind of like a flashlight, a, a spotlight. I'm not I'm not trying. Sorry, I'm not trying to downplay. I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to get a visual of it. So is it like a spotlight? Yeah. So it's kind of like a spotlight, I guess you could say. It's it's the source of light. Because um, my question would be then, if I'm looking at it from here in Can- in Western Canada. And the sun, the moon is also up in Eastern Canada. The face that I see, if I see a perfect circle, they're going to see, you know, something they're going to see a, not a circle. They're going to see it at an angle. Well, because if the yeah, spotlight if, is shining at me, a, if it was a, uh, you know, giant rock sphere, metal ball, whatever, they have many different descriptions for it. Um, if it was that, then like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Somebody on the East coast of Canada would see something way different than on the East coast of, but then, you know, they on the West coast, I mean, but then they'd probably say like, well, it's just cause it's 238,900 miles away. So that's why we see like the same thing, no matter where you are on earth, I guess. Um, well, yeah, sorry. What I meant so, is that if, if I have a spotlight shining right at me, or even if, even if we were 10 feet apart and I have a spotlight shining right at me, five feet in front of me. So I'm looking at a full circle beam coming at me, a person right. 10 feet to my right is going to look and they're going to see not a sphere anymore, but it's going to be a, at a different angle. And it, yeah. they aren't going to see this round face. They're going to see kind of an oblong ellipses. You know what I mean? They aren't, they aren't going to see this round if, face. Yeah. If, if the moon like you know what was some normal light <laughs> right and, and the the explanation so the explanation sorry is, go ahead yeah i mean here's the thing here's the thing it's it's it acts as if it's projected into our reality because it's you know you're right you, you see you you would see it um you know obviously it would it would show up at a different time in eastern canada versus western canada as it's completing its track over the flat earth. But um, 
you know, when it's up high in the sky, you'd both be able to see it at the same time and it, it would look slightly different. So, but the thing is, you can never catch up to the moon. Like you can't just fly there, even though it appears to be close and local, that projection moves as you move. In other words, if you're, it's the same thing with the sun. If like people try to fly towards the sun, you can never catch up with it. Even if you're going in a boat, like it appears in a, in a different way. If you're a hundred miles away, you know, but it's also right there. I don't know if I explained that well. I don't think I did. Well, I, I, I do imagine it'd be tougher to catch in a boat than in a plane. But but my other question is, okay, so sorry, I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around it. So we each project our own um, dome above it. I don't fully understand that because is, is that what you're saying? That we each have our own different projections of the dome? Well, you know, it's interesting because I kind of think we do because... I think that I think the dome that there is is the dome that your the distance resolution limit of your eye of your eyes would be able to see in every single given direction, uh, you know, in a 180 degree uh, arc above your head, and then you know just you know circle that around. I don't know what they call it in uh, in geometry, but you know you're talking about a, a hemisphere basically. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the distance resolution limit of our eyes in every given direction so it it appears from the center of our senses which was is you know what what every individual can see it appears as a dome but obviously that wouldn't be that you know it's kind of why people just go wow obviously it's a ball because it looks like a dome but if i were to go 20 miles to my east I would see the exact same dome like but yeah, it, that, that's again it frame of reference huge. though frame of reference 20 miles on exactly. the surface of the earth is is nothing yeah exactly but what yeah so i, I don't but know the I'm dome just... doesn't change size is what i'm kind of kind of trying to say so there is but, I mean, there's no objectivity as far as what we see then it's all it's to each person's subjective um well not really. I think that the that the projection, the way that it's projected through the firmament somehow, which I think is just kind of like an infinite ceiling, an infinite holographic ceiling type of thing. Um, you know, there is an objectivity to it because though, because I don't see the exact same stars that you're seeing right now if you were outside and it's nighttime because we're in two different spots. So there is some kind of objectivity to it, but you know, it's, it's, I think, I think that's also based on, you know, <laughs> longitude and latitude too, where we're looking up in the, in the stars. But anyway, so we're, we're kind of getting caught in the weeds here because I just think we have different um, kind of levels of, I don't know, proofs, but uh, so the other, the other question that I had regarding uh, the Northern hemisphere, the Southern hemisphere, and just the effect of rotational spin is the Coriolis effect, especially, or specifically on storms that affect the Northern hemisphere, as opposed to the Southern hemisphere and changing from yeah. a counterclockwise rotation on, let's say a, a hurricane in the Northern hemisphere to a clockwise rotation in the Southern hemisphere, which again would relate to the poles and the direction of earth's rotation. Yeah. The Coriolis effect is just a kind of made up belief. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to put it 
but, but how did can can you rationalize it on a flat earth model how these storms would formulate in different directions no because that's not what we see i mean the only the only thing that that you might be able to to you know kind of relate that to would be the way that the wind currents work above the the flat earth which is in a perfect circle versus um you know this crazy sine wave looking thing that they had to like janky thing that they drew all over the globe um if you look up wind currents i mean <laughs> it's here you want me to show you it's in the app let me sure yeah there's like a specific page for it it's pretty cool all right. um, sounds good I think I'm sharing. Okay, cool. So let's go back to the app. So let me just find it. It's this one. Yeah, it takes a minute to load. Um, yeah, I mean, we can zoom in and see exactly what the, the, the wind currents are doing. So the outermost one is going counterclockwise or no, I guess the yep. outermost. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Outermost going counterclockwise, which again would be the same as in the southern hemisphere right now. Right, and then you know the innermost ones are going in the opposite direction. So I mean, I guess if there's any truth to that claim that the storms and like hurricanes and things form in particular ways depending on where they originate, and maybe that's the reason why they originate. So while, um, while I'm looking at this, like this, sorry, this is unrelated to the Coriolis effect, but uh, I'm curious based on these wind patterns, like when you do have two flights that are flying against each other. So let's say one's flying from, I don't know what those locations were, you said from something to Australia and then a return flight, like, because a lot of these yeah. flights in the Southern hemisphere will fly one's flying from the location to the other one and then vice versa. So they're kind of exchanging each other in the air. Uh, if the wind current is like this, that would equate for a, a pretty massive change in the time from the arrivals on the two, because if they're both flying that way, like how, how does that, that equate? Yeah. So, I mean, some Southern flights take this kind of like outer wind current and arrive at a, you know, a slightly faster time because they get this, this tail draft or whatever the hell it is that they call it. Um, and then, you know, they could probably just jump into this other current that's going the opposite direction to get to where they need to be. Right. But but, I mean, based the timing, on the based on the, the timing globular model. Yeah, yeah. Based on the globular model like that, you know, that, yeah, it, it just it doesn't really correlate to. to the well, the thing is, the thing is with the with the with with northern flights, they're they're pretty similar. They're usually a straight line because the top of the ball, the, hem, the top hemisphere of the globe is like kind of similar to the, you know, the, the, the lands north of the equator on the flat earth. But when you, when you get to the Southern parts, like some there's, there's few, if there's probably almost no direct flights, you know, you always have to try, if you're going from Australia, you're going to have to stop like two, three times, maybe like if they do a direct flight, you know, I mean, it's probably I've, going I've really quick and it takes like 20 hours and it's like a, a nightmare to do. You know what I mean? I've, I've flown from uh, Vancouver to Australia. It was a 16 and a half hour flight, but it was a direct flight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, 
that could probably work. It's like, I mean, let's just see where we would be. So Canada down to Australia. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems like, yeah, that could be a direct flight 16 hours, but like, you're not going to go from South Africa to Australia. I don't think in, or like New Zealand or something. Um, in a direct flight, I just, I, I don't see that working so easily. Like there might be some that you could book, but it would probably be like a 30 hour flight <laughs> because it's just, that's such an incredibly long distance in a straight line. And even if they took this like outer, um, route, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't see why they would have to do that because, um, that would just be so much risk. And like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you're going to take the route, right, if you go from South Africa all the way up and around to get to Australia just to catch that little tailwind, like, I don't think that that would um, equate to any sort of faster flight time or anything. It just makes a lot more sense to go in a straight line and, like, stop once if you have to. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, again, we're just look, <laughs> looking at through different lenses. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can – yeah, I can – yeah. Anyway, so let's let's move on to. I didn't really have anything else pertaining to that. Uh, let's move on to kind of the motivation behind flat Earth and why you think that it it is this global phenomenon and what's behind it. Yeah. So it's definitely a global phenomenon. <laughs> um. So well, at least the globe lie is. So um. You know, it, it, it kind of there's 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 def, there's different ways to take it. Like some people want to control other people and what they do in this life. And, you know, I think that's incredibly lame, but some people do it. And it's just like, you know, they just they just it's kind of like their thing that they do. And I, I don't think that a lot of people really do that on purpose or, you know, are willingly participating in, you know, coming up with some fabrications about stuff. It's just like, it's just, it's kind of this nihilism that occurs in, you know, some places where, or it's just part of the process. Like imagine somebody goes to space camp and then they just get told to like do this like small little role at um, something like NASA. And it's like part of the bigger picture and it's all compartmentalized like you you think that they know that it's flat like some people might and then but they're kind of just like holy shit this is where i get all my money from like i'm not gonna i'm just gonna keep lying because i have a comfortable life and it's like just easy as fuck like that's how some people literally think and but <laughs> you know the rest of them they're not it's not like everybody every teacher's in on it or something or every astronomy professor is like in on it as far you know, as an astronomy pr professor, I would think they would have to be because, I mean, there's a there's a lot of proof that they they learn, and if they were to learn that somehow it's not not real, I mean, I I do think they'd have to be not. I mean, even like and sorry, going back to the first thing you said as far as control, I agree completely. Like to me, the biggest and most important thing is free speech. It's why I like having conversations like this. Like it drives me fucking crazy right now in Canada. They're trying to pass anyway this legislation that'll limit free speech on the internet. Bill C10. Look it up. But anyway, um yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm with you as far as you know the 
the desire not to be controlled, especially when it talks to come when it comes to talking about things. As far as as far as the the kind of map of the people that would have to be in on it, I mean, you you think about it like it's not just just NASA, it's not just pilots, it's it's geologists, it's cartographers, it's it's this whole industry right. of different or they were just educated into one particular paradigm and just take all the assumptions to be totally freaking accurate that that could be true i i think <laughs> that when you're talking to talking about pilots i think that'd be impossible because you're you're real world you're, you have real world experience right you're, you're flying especially many, if you're flying internationally yeah and there's there's many pilots like you should ask your uh grandfather or your uncle yeah my uncle yeah you should ask your uncle what he thinks about the idea of a flat earth because something might just click and he'll just be like wow you know i've been flying over a flat plane that's stationary for 30 years and just kind of never thought about it you know like i i did ask him actually <laughs> heading into this interview uh, what did his, he say his response <laughs> wasn't wasn't that kind he's he's old school so uh i'm not i'm not gonna repeat it but yeah he he didn't he didn't have that um he didn't have that response to it but i'm i I, like i am interested because to me like i don't know it's it's so hard to keep things under wrap and honestly okay so i'm gonna back up a little bit yeah it's not it's not under wraps like there's there's many pilots that come out and talk about this and I'd, I'd be because, interested in in hearing that and if they do have you know yeah. the licenses to fly internationally specifically yeah i'll, I'll, I'll send you some the, the thing is like 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 what you're saying with the licensing and everything like if they were to kind of just like speak out and go by the way it's also flat and like start talking about it openly and all this stuff like there's been cases where they'll have their license revoked and like stuff like that you know it's just this weird thing but it's funny when you're (laughs) when you're in an airport like and you're just looking at all the pilots like you know they're it's it it just seems so like they seem like they're just like in on this little secret like i don't know they're just they're 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 really funny you know they always crack me up like they're just going down the going down like the terminal the concourse whatever and they're like they don't like i don't know it's like almost like they don't want to talk to anybody or i don't know it's funny they, I, I think i think it's funny when i see them now i i do well I, i've never experienced that personally i mean i used to fly in and out for work for about seven years i mean i was i have no idea how many flights i've been on to be honest but that those were all pretty short-term flights over land uh just between bc and alberta but i've never had that experience with pilots and i mean like okay so backing up a little bit just to the idea of conspiracy theories in general, like I'm going to be totally honest. I, I am, I love conspiracy theory. I, I absolutely love it. Um, but what I've, are you familiar with COINTELPRO? Um, no, is that a, is that, that's like a guy with a channel or something? No, 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 sorry. So I'm just going to go over this. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to, no, it's all, it's all good. It's not something that's like regularly known. So I'm just going to read it from uh, Wikipedia. Give me a second here to open it up. I I believe it was from somewhere in the mid 50s to the 70s. Let's see. Okay, so COINTELPRO, uh, 
So he's a counterintelligence program from 1956 to 1971 was a series of covert and illegal projects conducted by the United States FBI aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting and disrupting domestic American political organizations. Now, why I bring this up is because I was reading this book. It's called Chaos. It's about the Charles Manson story. Anyway, it goes into the FBI and CIA's role in basically subverting the peaceful hippie movement right in the 60s. And why I bring up COINTELPRO is because when I look at conspiracy theories in general, to me, I love them. Like when it comes to 9-11 conspiracies or any of these government cover-ups, I mean, so many of them have come to light as being per- true, including this COINTELPRO one. But when what they would do is they would get into a community and change the course of it. They would dissent information that would ultimately destroy it from the inside. Uh, yeah, I've seen some of this actually. Yeah, yeah. and they, they were very successful with the Black Panther movement, with the hippie, you know, free love, peace, no, anti-war movement. They were very successful. So They tried to get the Protestants. Yeah. Like, some of them. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that. But, but when <laughs> I was reading the, yeah, this chaos book, it specifically talks about the hippie movement. But what I, what I view this as, to me, and I, again, this isn't substantiated from anywhere, but I love the idea of conspiracies. And now, as soon as you hear conspiracy, it's equated with one of the two most famous ones probably in the past couple of years. It's either QAnon or it's Flat Earth, right? And right. almost, like, I'm, I don't mean to offend you. This, is, this isn't directed right at you specifically. But when you hear Flat Earth, or you hear QAnon now, you basically discredit most of the beliefs. Like that's what the general public does mm. now, right? It's almost turned, it's made conspiracy theorists a dirtier word than it was before. Interesting. Like, like my question is, and this is, this is, I've been batting the, this around my head for the past year, especially after QAnon blew up and it's just the mad, the mad belief in that. Like it was a serious dogma behind that. There, there was, you know, these random Q drops and people would flock on it. Like it was the word of God. And, but well, when, as soon as you have these two new movements injected into conspiracy theories, now everybody discredits all of them. Like my my observation is that this very well could be something that was designed to just stop people from taking any critical looking at anything, any critical thinking. And it's just, it's all lumped in with Flat Earth. It's all lumped in with QAnon. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about my kind of opinion on like the psychological effects of this type of thing. But just to quickly address QAnon, like I didn't hear anything about that just about like i really don't know too much about what that was and but it does sound like you know some people are just weaponizing the term of like conspiracy theories to get people to go oh that's ridiculous every time they hear something right so they won't look into it i mean like is it really that much of a surprise like (laughs) like you know that that something like uh, an outer space comet that could hit us at any time and kill everybody like isn't is it not not surprise unsurprising to to realize that that's not even true <laughs> that's just news you know well i mean i look i i get it fake news has been a big thing especially in the past i don't know 24 months but at, at the same time like i hear a lot of so looping back to you know kind of zoning in on the flat earth theory the idea that somehow it creates this nihilistic sense in people it yeah. has it has not been my experience in the least. Like when I look at this flat earth theory, I look at as we're in an, an enclosed dome. We have nothing else to discover, nothing else to explore. Whereas yeah. the theory of being in a globe and in a much larger, massive system is 
awe-inspiring. It's interesting. And to me, like, like I can reconcile again, growing up in a Christian household, growing up around Christians in church, like I have never heard any problem reconciling the idea that, you know, the Bible was written, inspired by the word of God by men who took basically their observations at the time and put it into paper, right. To, to make sense of the world they were in, but they have no problem reconciling the idea like, Hey, you know, fundamentally they may have not gotten it all right. The message is there, but you know, they may not have had it all right. This is what they were using at the time. Like they have no problem reconciling a, a global model in this vast, you know, galaxy inside everything while maintaining faith. Like, so I don't, to me personally, okay, yeah, I, sure. I don't see a, a connection between the two, but. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly because you're a quality guy who hasn't really thought it hasn't really turned into one of these outer space type people that just, you know, are totally nihilistic, bro. Like you should go and see some places like this, man. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but because you, because you are like, you know, a decent, honest, upfront guy who is like a hardworking person that those type of thoughts haven't affected you the same, nearly the same, but th- there are certain kind of nihilistic tendencies and emotions and stuff that can arise from the over obsessing um imagine if it's your day job to like pay attention to all this stuff as if it's real like uh you know paying attention to okay we're 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 uh you know one tiny insignificant little speck of dust in the middle of this giant ever expanding dark like dark matter whatever the hell you know type type of thing dark energy thing and like and and like we're evolved from apes because that's all in with the same idea like you know if you believe in the ball like you're supposed to believe in like evolution and everything too because it all originates from the same bad idea of a theory called the big bang theory you know it's that's where all of this stuff is predicated on and it's all nonsense you know it's just it's like so those kind of things are are things that can arise from this like and it's not really that special to just think of life as an accident and like we are nothing more than you know a duck in in the water you know we're not we're we're basically just like a, a sophisticated ape type of being like no better than animals so why don't we just you know shoot everybody up with some chemicals and see what happens like it's it's ridiculous man like just, oh just because we tried it on animals like it's 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 it honestly bro it's like it's just such such crap when you when you when you see this place for what it is and so i mean yeah i just i feel like a lot of that stuff is correlated at least for some people and like I just, I love imagining like what Christianity could be and what some of these religions and um, cosmologies of seeing our universe could come back to if we all just like said, yeah, you know, it's actually just flat. Like, let's stop lying to each other, (laughs) you know, like, and I mean, I I understand what you're saying. And again, like, especially over this last year with coronavirus, I I don't really like I think astrology is fucking 
whack shit, right? Like that's just my own personal opinion, but especially over the past couple of years, like, or specifically this past year with Corona, all the crap going on with that. Like, I don't, I've really trying to take a less aggressive stance on any of that, like whatever people find to get them through their day or to give themselves meaning. Like I'm, I'm all for that, man. Like, especially nowadays people kind of need it more than ever. And what you were talking about, they're like, again, like when it comes to the idea of the big bang theory or evolution. And again, I mean, even science refers to the big bang theory as the big bang theory, right? Like they, they, it isn't yeah. uh, even in, even in most scientific circles, it's not, it's not perfectly closed. It's still a hypothesis. We have no way to track back that far. Right. But it is their yeah. best guess, but I guess what it really comes down their, to their best, their best story. Well, Sorry. yeah, but I mean, I, I think that's what, what science is. Again, it's just trying to expand our field of knowledge. And, you know, if we if we get something as best as we can go with it, then we try to build out from there as long as it's a continual, you know, we can right. start building off of that. So I guess what I would say in back to that is that the burden of proof really comes back to flat earth. That where, that's where, again, I mean, to me, the most basic thought experiment here is that 60th parallel sailing trip. To me, that is something that could really... You know, that's something that you could prove and it's it's very easy, right? It, it's something that could be done. It should be done if, if if that's in the budget. I mean, I'm sure that you're aware of it, like going back to Behind the Curve by Netflix, like the two experiments with the, uh, what is it? The gyro, what the hell was that thing? The gyro or then with the, uh, the light beam going through the two posters and the target, like they failed on those experiments, but there there are other things that, you know, I mean, you guys could try. I, I just think that the burden of proof sits in flat earth in the flat earth society to really prove their fact, their, their ideas. Okay. Great. Um, great points. Couple, couple things. Um, let's try and go in reverse order and hopefully I can remember everything you said. So the flat earth society is, well, I'll go rapid fire. Flat Earth Society is a government-controlled website you can go to that offers you a bunch of nonsense information about what they say Flat Earth is, and it's not what it is at all. So don't go there unless you want to laugh because <laughs> um, it, it's like just this fake thing. Okay. Um, the Flat Earth community is kind of what we refer to our, ourselves as, and... Um, you know, if anybody has questions about like where to go to like hang out with us, just send me an email at a higher existence at gmail.com and I'll link you to like all the live streams and all the places and all the channels and whatever you want, um, you know, to get people um, able to look into proper resources, not the garbage meme debunking videos that they're pushing on the youtube algorithm if you search for flat earth and drowning out all the good research that we do so that's another thing um <laughs> as far as trying to think what what you mentioned after that well you so like so the one was the, i believe it was the gyroscope and i'm gonna run the name by you uh sorry i just have to refresh my my uh memory on here so it's bob nodal was the guy who was in the behind the curve documentary is he not part of your group or whatever um yeah i'm unfamiliar with the documentary i didn't watch it um it's it i um what from what i heard they sold out or kind of just shilled it a little bit um but also maybe just wanted to get it out there a little bit onto you know uh streaming website 
like, you know, a giant streaming website so people could look into it and then use their own discernment and be like, okay, maybe that's ridiculous. Or maybe the people that said the experiment is ridiculous are ridiculous. Now, I, I'm, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just going to interject for one second here because like this is something that I, I honestly try to challenge myself on as, as much as I can. That's why I, I haven't done as much research for any episode as I did for this one because it's something that I find fascinating as a conspiracy theory. Again, because I really think that it's injected to discredit everything else. But that's my own opinion. So, but anyway, like... Huh? I mean, even with the behind the behind the curve thing, like I would I would encourage it just to be um, kind of intellectually honest. I mean, it it's so easy to fall into confirmation bias. Like I've done it plenty of times in my life when I look back on it. It's it's brutal. It's hard to get out of. I mean, like, but I I yeah. really would encourage it because it's such a strong phenomenon. I mean, especially nowadays with how disconnected everybody are is with the, these lockdowns and all this stuff. Like. <sighs> Yeah. I just find it so much easier to fall into. I would I would really recommend watching it to at least get a critique of some of the thought processes and you'll see some sure. of these experiments, the one of them being the gyroscope where you know it does show the tilt and the rotation of the earth and then they had a light one that was basically trying to show curvature. But anyway, I do recommend watching them just to just to kind of have that in your arsenal. I mean, maybe you can build up a better defense to it because to me yeah, that, that's how you build up a, sure. a good defense to anything, right? Right. Is, is learning about exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I could offer, um, another option as to go watch this documentary, um, there, they, there's a, there's a documentary called level that just came out by Hibbler productions, H I B B E L E R. Um, you know, and they have like, that's like the whole Eric Dubé ODD TV type crowd because there's many different communities within the community. You know, we have different people working on different things, but um, that's, that's a pretty good documentary, but it's like, it shows you like at a personal level, what some of these NASA guys and astrophysics people and like outer space people are really like. And like, again, it's up to your own discernment to, to, to tell for yourself, like, what's true. I mean, it's well, up to everybody's discernment, you know? And to me, so, I, I think that that also comes down to human nature. I mean, I imagine that anybody who ascends to kind of the pinnacle of any field that they're in, the ego right. is going to be out of fucking control. Right. And I like, right. okay, I experience it on the other end too, with people who are in flat earth or actually more of what my experience has been with arguing with QAnon people, because that was like, I, I see similarities though, in both of them, where it's just this such a hardline approach like there is there is no amount of evidence that you could possibly give to budge an inch and yes i mean i i understand it's it's tough it's like we're speaking two different languages because any evidence that i would submit you you won't you don't accept you know what i mean like it's it's very tough and it's it's interesting that's why i see a, a correlation between specifically QAnon and then the flat earth okay. community is ju just this dogmatic drive yeah, so I didn't I didn't have any of these ideas though. You have to remember, like I came to it through using my own discernment to like try and figure out the objective truth. Like the way that I started was I just was assumed it was a ball and like God doesn't exist and the place is an accident, not a creation. And then, you know, the more I looked, I was like, wow, you know, actually 
there isn't any proof of the globe at all. (laughs) And if anybody supplies me with one proof, I'll change my mind. Like I'm open to being wrong about this. It's just that the lever is so far swung to the flat cosmology because, you know, it's not something that we have to uh, abscond our critical thinking to a higher authority to do, which is what, what liars count on people to do. They, they just count on people to just never look into it, into this massive rabbit hole that they create and just takes, it takes a while on the personal level to undo that. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's what they do. Like the thing is though, is like, I, I don't expect, I don't, I don't want anybody to just trust me and just take me at my word on this because you know, it, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't just, unless like you think like I'm a really likable guy and like, I wouldn't lie, which is happens to be true, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just like recommend anybody just like suddenly change their mind. Like you should go and do the research and like, see what you think, which is the opposite of what somebody who is a proponent of the globe would say, they would say, you just have to trust us because we are the science leaders of this thing called science with a capital S and like, you just have to go with what we say, you know? So, I mean, I, there's that to a certain degree, I get it. I mean, when, when you say to be presented with evidence, I mean, I, I think that a lot of that was, I mean, between the Coriolis effect in the Northern and Southern hemisphere based off of the earth rotation, uh, the different, um, sorry, astrological or whatever the constellations you can see based at different times of the year in our plot around our ellipses around the sun, uh, the moon, the sun itself. I mean, I, I just, I understand that we're speaking different languages here. So it's, I, I, I think yeah. that, but what, you know, like it, it just seems funny to me because with flat earth, there's this extremely high level of, uh, of evidence required to disprove it. But it seems like a very low level to prove the theories. Like, I mean, some of these explanations, like the explanation of the moon, for example, the fact that it's seen the same (laughs) across different areas of the world is again, because it's a sphere, it's reflecting light that that sun's light is hitting it and it, it shoots in different directions. Right. So it can be seen from different areas in the world. It's the same face. It's the same light. Whereas viewing it as a a spotlight or some type of light is it, it, it just doesn't make sense from two different points on a map. And then if it's all just subjective, I mean, now we're, now we're talking about something completely different. Like I, but the burden of proof and the level of, of evidence required just seems so drastically different for anybody to disprove a flat earther. Once, once you believe this, this idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like they say, once you, once you uh, get off the ball, there's no getting back on. And it's like, once you take the red pill, there's no, untaking the red pill there's there there's no it's the same thing as if you were to say uh once you have seen my creation you no longer have any reason to deny my existence you know there there's it's kind of just what it is but i will say i i totally get what you're saying and like this conversation like we have to recognize that there's only so many things especially because it's audio format like there's only so many things that i could reasonably say using and describe and attempt to describe using just uh speech and words and so 
this is more kind of just like I would treat it if I were listening to this as just a bit of like an intro and offering some clues and like you know maybe you go look into it maybe uh forget about it for six months which is fine because that's what I did because I didn't I didn't want to think about it you know but it's it's like it'll take however long it needs to for people so yeah yeah I mean look like I I don't get a sense that you're you're lying or anything like that like I I you seem like a really nice guy I'm not lying like I I mean it I just yeah I I just think that the burdens of proof are, are crazy but I would recommend yeah again like I'll check out that level one but I do recommend watching you know behind the curve or just seeing a few of these things where it is flat earthers trying to prove a flat earth and it it proves a curvature. It's, you know, like it's, yeah, there's, there's no way that you could prove curvature. I mean, we can see, I'm telling you, I'm telling you flat earthers have. Okay. But don't, but yeah, but step outside of the, the, the mainstream approved propaganda that sets that. And let's talk about an actual experiment you can do. So you can buy a super zoom camera for probably 300 bucks. Go grab a Nikon B900 or P1000 and go out to the ocean go out to a giant lake go out to if you live in a desert or like some kind of wide expanse of a farmland or something and to uh, you know figure out based on google maps because one thing that they're pretty accurate about is mileage over uh land so figure out what the distance is and from your viewing point to the farthest place that you could possibly see it could be a horizon line, you know, that horizontal line above the ocean. It could be um, like a mountain range far off in the distance and just zoom in on it and see how far it is. And then go to the earth curve calculator on the internet, um, which will tell you the trigonometry of how many feet of drop or miles of drop in some cases, if you're zooming in on a subject 50 to hundred miles away or large distances than that. And it'll tell you how many miles of feet of, or, you know, how much, how many, how many miles of tall of a wall of water, if you're out in the ocean would be in front of that subject. And yet you can see it from a hundred miles away, 200, 300 with infrared cameras, you know? So it's a flat plane. <laughs> I mean, the, the arguments are, are ample and they're abound, but one thing I would I would encourage anybody to look into as far as what can equate for a couple of degrees of variance, and that is a superior or, uh, or uh, what is it? It's a superior or an inferior mirage. Like, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of these images that are that appear to be farther than you should be able to see are over water and in the afternoon. It has to do with the heated air being farther above the surface then you know as the the afternoon cools the hot air is rising and the cool air is sitting along the water there's a reason why most of those images are across a body of water in the afternoon so i mean again i the curvature Uh, i i know what you're saying there's with with the mirages miraging sometimes happens but a mirage is a reflection not a well a refraction um, through through heated air yes okay so like how you mean like a magnification through heated air uh, just a redirection of the light. Yeah, in terms, of, yeah, I, I guess. Just I, a, I guess a bending down, a bending down <laughs> so, through okay, the hot wait, air. So you're telling me that that because 
the water vapor is like slightly heated in the air or is there's just more vapor at one spot than another spot, that's going to cause a significant enough amount of refraction as light changes its speed through that given medium to somehow magically every single time consistently up to a thousand miles using some of the most powerful telescopes always create a, mar a perfect mirage of what exactly we can see uh yeah in the pictures where it's depicted okay. yeah just look it up look up a superior mirage or an inferior we, we see inferiors all the time probably you being in nevada probably more than i do up here in canada not as hot but the inferior comes off the pavement right where the cooler air is above and the hotter air is at the base but yeah. Yeah, a superior mirage is the inverse, right? So basically the light is coming up and bending back down towards your eye. It's again, it's, but I think we're talking two different languages here. So it's, uh, but I would recommend yeah, that's okay. that's people okay. looking that up as superior mirage is, is what occurs when that happens. Um, so anyway, yeah. I think, I think the only other question I really had here, uh, as far as kind of the conspiracy of it, the, 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 the money behind right. it is, yeah. uh, uh, sorry, I'm just finding this. So, you know, I mean, it, it, what is the driving force really behind this? Is it just the nihilistic tendencies of humanity or is there money involved? Like there has to be a lot of money funding this cover up. I mean, how many people would be being paid off? How, what, what would, yeah. Like where yeah. is all this money coming from? I mean, business doesn't really work that way, but where would it be feeding all this money to? And where's yeah, it coming so from more importantly? Okay, yeah. So the budget's pretty easy. NASA gets $70 million a day from the taxpayers, allegedly. But at some point, <laughs> they're just putting numbers into a screen. And so it doesn't even matter. And it, you know, they just, they're not clever enough to get that. But whatever. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with that. Um, they, people can get carried away and people can um, start doing things that we don't want them to do and we don't like them doing and fucking up the society, for example. So there's th some things that like are just, you know, people, people do that are, are wrong. And at some point the cleanup crew has to arrive and say, uh, listen, guys, we're not doing this anymore. And it doesn't matter how many times, how many people you've lied to and what, your fancy houses or whatever that you're not going to be able to pay for anymore. Um, we don't care because we're not letting people do shit like that anymore and get away with it. So it's really just that simple. Um, and you know, if people don't like that, that's fine. You know, it's going to, like I said before, it's going to take as long as it needs to. And until people are willing to get over themselves and show up back to life, um, you know, we're going to be in this, fallen idea of a place still and that's pretty much how it goes so you know that's kind of what i have to say with respect to that um i don't know if i answered your question but well more or less i mean would big tech be behind it like what's what else what is what is behind it here oh who's behind it yeah it's it, yeah okay there's 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 a small group of people that are behind it and um you know there's there's like a, a couple of different groups that are like vying for power right now, like within, you know, the, like the government type stuff. Right. And they can, they can play that game and do that stuff. It's fine. You know, but there there's, there's, you know, there's a little bit too much nonsense that, that has started going on. And so, you know, people are going to have to figure it out. They're just going to have to figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, then, 
you know, then they're just going to kind of fade away, I think, um, out of our reality because, uh, you know, this, this place um, is not the place that we want. I don't think anybody wants to live like in the kind of matrix world where you're just listening to fear mongering news and everything. And like, you know, some people love it because that's the only way that they can feel anything is to make everybody else miserable. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, that's, that is a lot to unpack, like uh, try to unpack. But what I, I mean, that, that does sound incredibly nihilistic. Like I, I don't know. I guess I, I don't view the world kind of through the same lens. Like I agree. There's a lot of fucked up stuff, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of people out there doing a lot of good. And I, I don't necessarily think that they're all, you know, it's all just, just flat earthers looking for a better world. Like I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are are trying to do a lot better and they, they hold all different, different positions in governments in companies. And I mean, the other thing too, is like, if, if they really wanted to, like, if, if these powerful people are behind this, like it would probably cost a fraction of the budget just to silence any dissenting voice, just to shut down any YouTube videos, any YouTube channels, any websites of every flat earther, you know, I wanted to say around the globe, but I don't know if that's offensive to you or not. Not offensive. No, no, no. (laughs) So let me explain, man. Like on a personal level, like I'm having the time of my life, dude. Like it's this, this world is so amazing and it's such an, an amazing place and everything. It's just like, if somebody asks for the truth and it also happens to be one of the, my favorite things to talk about, like if somebody asks for the truth, like I'm going to have to tell them about it. And I want to tell them about it because I want people to be back out here, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of, you know, let's get everybody onto a computer and just play video games and go to the like virtual reality kind of a world. Um, you know, (laughs) but it's like at some point we're going to have to think, you know, maybe if shit gets so easy like that, like we're going to lose track of reality a little bit and people are going to just exist in the you know they're gonna upload digital versions of themselves and and like think that that's reality and they're gonna exist out there and you know that's fine if people want to do that but like if if everybody does that then like the people who are like out in the world like get kind of bored you know because it's just like it's like who do we talk to there's it's like people just want to talk about the latest episode of star wars or something and not like work on something cool and like and like i said like like make technologies and stuff um that existed in the world and you know we have the answers to that that just aren't being done because people decided that they want to like build people just to live and all that stuff so you know you kind of you know what i'm saying man it's like this this place could be so amazing like it's just it's just like the way people see it and i i mean i i get what you're saying i mean i'm optimistic i'm also kind of driven crazy by the online mobs and just the online you know the the state that we're in this way i agree with that i mean i i don't understand how it relates back to flat earth but 
I, I understand. I understand your your optimism looking forward, and I, so I kind of share here, that so... idea. But uh, what? Sorry, one thing that I wanted to say too is that I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I know I understand why a lot of people are distrustful when it comes to scientists or really anybody in charge. I mean, you know, a lot of those pro like the prohibitive devices have been put in place by the world that we live in now. You know, I mean, university is expensive as hell, especially in the states. Like acquiring that that uh that education is tough to move up any ladder is tough like and so i understand i mean i feel the same way to a lot of authority where you know you get a bit dissenting that that makes sense to me i just uh, the other thing too is that like i mean anytime with science like there are it is a progressive build right and so i mean i i just i get kind of frustrated when you know we can be so critical of this model but yet the science gleaned from these different fields go into you know, the cell phone that you're holding into your hands, the the way that I can communicate to you from BC all the way down to Nevada. And this technology is all around us. We can use it. We don't have to understand the phone in our hands, but yet we have to understand how everything else works for us to to even believe that it's possible when we've got literally devices in our hands that that prove the capabilities involved and, and the science behind it. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of things there. So phones don't have anything to do with space um and the deception um like i said there's a lot of real science and there's a lot of really good scientists and engineers and people that are actually interested in making positive change in the world and designing and manufacturing great things there's 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 certainly tons of that going on it's just that you know because of this giant deception you kind of have to play part of some of these lies sometimes and just be like, Oh yeah, space, like, you know, whatever. So anyway, but the, the thing, the reason, the reason why this is so important is because it's related to everything. It's not just related to nothing. And it's like, it's like, like this thing that's not that important because this is the greatest conspiracy, if you want to call it that, the greatest lie ever perpetrated against mankind. Because, because, holy shit, something on the highway. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, oh, yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's just, it's this giant lie. But the reason that it's the most important one and that it's the most difficult to conceptualize, but it's, and it's extremely depressing, but worth it in the end is because um, it affects us every minute of our lives. It's not like the New York event in the early 2000s where they- 9 you know, Yeah, there was so, so a crazy rationalization that went on to go kill a bunch of people. And, but the, but the thing is, even something as huge as that is temporary. People forget about it. They just go, well, we're just gonna have to go along with it. It's the same thing with like, what's, what's, what's another thing? Like, so, like a massive thing. Like there's just, there's things that people eventually kind of get over and forget about, but, the, but with this, it affects us every minute of our lives, dude. Like you could be sitting at home at a couch right now, but you're spinning a thousand miles an hour out of control. <laughs> Even though your senses tell you that you're literally sitting on a stationary plane and there's no amount of movement going on and, and, and all this like 
all this stuff and like right but i mean like as far as that goes like oh but because it's relative okay well let no, me no, sorry like, I, I wasn't going to say that it's relative the idea okay. the idea too is that not all science is observable you know i mean like do you do you agree that you know we have for example bacteria or biomes on our hands on our skin that we don't see like that there is no really. sense okay well but there's no sense that can pick that up like we have we have tools we have instruments we have things that we can use to actually focus in on that to understand what's going on so i mean i don't think that science has to be observable to the naked eye to be valid i mean that's part of the very nature of it is trying to discover things that we can't we can't just explain away in a in in the sense with our five senses and the other thing too is just what you had said earlier about you know having good scientists looking at stuff when it was related to phones but you know i think it's i think it's dangerous and i think it's it's pretty i don't know it's it's closed off to attach a subjectivity to a scientific discovery i mean it, yeah science is science i mean i, I yeah I, I just it's it's tough to say some stuff is good yeah. science, sometimes it's bad there's obviously morality involved but when it comes to good science good science is what is provable over and over again right that science is at the base root competitive as hell some of the most competitive one of the most competitive fields ever because everybody is trying to disprove each other at every single step of the way and i mean if somebody came up with a model for flat earth like that would be picked apart and it obviously is being picked apart but if somebody was able to prove that and it rose to the top of scientific ranks again like it would be headlines after headline after headline it, it would be a huge huge money generator <laughs> yeah yeah that's i mean that's just I, that's probably not gonna happen it because it's just like okay that's uh, that's really like an interesting thought but th it's just that it's not going to happen that way because like i said before i laid i made the case that like you have to think it's this is not something to be taken lightly where millions of people have been involved with accidentally teaching something that's not real for the majority of their lives like what kind of implications does that have on the individual like, you know like they're they're uh, you know, professors gave out the things and this and that and everything. And it's just like, it's, it's not, it's not something that's just like, just going to come out on mainstream news tomorrow. You'd be crazy to think that might actually happen. You know, that's why we have to do these kind of things and reach out to people like one at a time or, you know, whatever audience people have and stuff. But basically, what we can do is just create more content like this and pick up the slack wherever we find it and get and reach out to people. That's the only way to do it, you know, because an institution of entertainment news that's bought and paid for is not going to do that. So, so I, yeah, I, I do feel we're, we're kind of starting to circle around and burn out a little bit. Mind you, it has been two hours. So this is even longer than I thought it would go, but I really appreciate okay. you coming on. Like I, I, I really enjoyed this. I'll probably end up having to split it into two episodes, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I figure we can kind of start to walk into closing here. Um, sure. I wanted to, to thank you for coming on and having this discussion. I mean, Again, like I, I really, I would encourage, I'm going to watch that level one. Uh, I'll, when I listen back to the audio, I'll get the, the produce, the production company or whatever it was, was from, but I will check that out. I do, I do encourage watching behind the curve. I mean, and 
again, just being open to some of these other things, because these are, these were flat earthers. This is Bob Nodal, who is one of the more well-known flat earthers. And, uh, you know, not really, <laughs> not, not, not according. I don't know him. So he's probably not really what they say he was, but go ahead. All right. Anyway, they, they have attempted to prove the flat plane and it, it comes up as curvature and, Again, I just just for the sake of intellectual honesty, I, I would encourage you to at least look at the critiques of of Flat Earth as well. And I will check out the ones yeah. that, that you're recommending. Yeah, like I, I said, mean, I'm sure yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sure we could debunk that video. I'm sure people have gone and debunked whatever claim they were making there and showed why the experiment wasn't correct or you know. But again, that's just that's even me just saying I believe that, you know. I'm sure that I'm sure right. that that's the case. But, um, you know, again, dude, like this isn't, this, this, this isn't meant to change anybody's mind. Like this, <laughs> you know, this is, this is the best that I can do is just, you know, kind of point people in the right direction if they're interested in it and they think like, you know, wow, there might be something to learn here. Um, then there you go. You can listen to some of my other stuff that I have on SoundCloud. It's uh, soundcloud.com slash the light of all nations um you know i've been doing a couple just like interviews like this i haven't posted on there actually if you wouldn't mind sending me this um as well then I'll, i could post it on there um but uh yeah the you know it's it's <laughs> it's just it's it's a really it's a really great thing i don't want to sound like i don't want to take the root of like trying to recruit somebody into a thing or something but it really has my changed my life in a great way like it's like knowing where we live is the permanent antidote to a lot of mental problems that people have people worry about and just never take the time to confront themselves <laughs> with so well, i like i said i'm i'm not going to question the effect that it's had on your your outlook on on your mindset like that uh, again yeah, I'm, I'm happy for that I'm, I'm happy for you for that i mean i i obviously have a lot of and i have a lot of uh <laughs> critiques i guess of flat earth and i i, I didn't even realize half of them until so I was I. starting so to look I. it up um but anyway i i do appreciate have uh, you coming on here and talking about this stuff um yeah i just you know, look into this stuff if, if you want to, but I, you know, for every, for every video there is on one side, there's another one on the other as well. So it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, for sure. Okay, man. Yeah. This, this has been a, this has been a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we're just some hardworking guys, you know, we understand the importance of like building something in the, you know, creating a, material change about the real world and the satisfaction that that brings on a personal level. And I think that that's, that's another thing that goes hand in hand with, with, well, <laughs> I mean, not for everybody. I was going to say, you know. there we go. Stop right there. And we can both agree on that. A hundred percent. We found something yeah, in this go. episode that we can agree on. I think that's a good spot to close it out at. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, yeah, thanks again. And I'll, I'll have a quick chat with you here as soon as I hit the stop record button. Perfect. All right, man. Take care. See ya.
All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.